head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says, Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We are here today to talk about television. Shocking, but this was Amanda's idea. Can you believe it? And other it? things. I know, but I just, I really, happy New Year, everybody. I hope you had a restful break. I did as well. I spent some time watching some TV. And as I said to Juliet, I feel like I need to go to like the TV version of confession. Um, I'm not a practicing Catholic, so no offense to those who are. I, I, I take your rights very seriously, but I just, I need to talk about what I went through while watching season two of Emily in Paris. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll just say one of my group chats, we call this full disclosure. And uh-huh. It's like full disclosure and then confession or so, of some kind. Right. So this is our, this is our full disclosure, disclosure podcast. Um, I watched Emily in Paris um, in a pretty weird fashion because the screeners were released in a weird fashion. It was like the first five and then the second five. And so I watched it like over kind of a long period of time. So I've, I've had, I've had time to really marinate in my Emily in Paris opinions. Okay. Um, and I'm excited to hear yours. We're also, I would like to talk about, um, and just like that, the sex in the city reboot, because sure. I find it deeply disturbing. And a lot has happened on that front since we first talked about it. Oh my God. It's tough. Um, and then we're going to talk about a live girl, Lauren Sanchez and her sure. boyfriend, Jeff Bezos. They went to St. Bart's among many others for New Year's and Tristan Thompson yet again apologized to Khloe Kardashian via Instagram. I say yet again because I think he's apologized like many times, but this latest is like pretty astounding. Um, so we're going to get into all of that, but let's begin with Emily in Paris. Amanda, quote the great ringer.com. What is your tweet length review of season two of Emily in Paris? I think this show is legitimately evil, but I loved it. <laughs> And so that's why I need to go. I like, I honestly feel like I need to be like absolved because I think like the best, what, five hours that I had over the holidays was when I was just like sitting alone watching this truly craven and I think somewhat knowing show about 
a tiny woman like getting those collab deals done, you know, so we can have those <laughs> likes up. And I just the stakes of the show, not the romantic stakes and not even like the American versus, you know, French stakes, which they're investigating a little bit. I I give them, I guess, a little bit of credit for self-awareness in season two, but just the the quote unquote luxury ideal of it all, mm. I felt bad about myself for liking it. That's that's where I am. I just felt bad. So about a year ago when season one came out, whenever that was, I think it was I think that was season that was the beginning of season two of the pandemic, but I can't remember. Season um, one is I'm just yeah, season the pandemic, one though. Oh, season two of the pandemic. Sorry. I was like, okay. All right, what season are we on now? Season three? We're, we just started season three, I think. Okay. Um, I feel like I, I was like, we need to talk about the show. I really enjoyed it. And you were like, I hated it. And I, I, it was like, you didn't hate it, but I think you just had objected to it more than I did. I was like, this sure. was fun. <laughs> I did not enjoy season two. And I thought it was like, just like so stupid. Um, but I'm curious, like what, like what you think changed from one to two, and then, and then we can share our, our differing or perhaps the same opinion, but it hit us in different ways. So, if I recall, my objection to season one was like, this is silly, and this is also for just much younger people, right? Like, this is for twenty-two year olds, like maybe not written by twenty-two year olds, but this is this is what the show's creators think of 22 year olds, which I frankly thought was a little unfair to 22 year olds who, you know, (laughs) deserve to be out in the world, consuming culture that's pitched to them at the correct level. And we compared it to a lot of Darren, other Darren star shows and, and also a bit sex in the city, which it is like clearly in a lineage of, or, or trying to be. And, um, and, but we talked a lot about younger, which was a more recent millennial, focused or targeted show even, but still had some self-awareness, you know, it had the built-in, here's an old person trying to navigate the, the new young world, which made it more accessible for you and me specifically as, as, as rapidly approaching old people. Um, but just was not quite as like airheaded for lack of a better word. Sure. And so I think that was my frustration. And I think in some ways season two improves upon that. Not about not on the age stuff, but they do make a little bit of fun of the character Emily. Like yeah. the fact that she can't speak French. Yes. They at she least does acknowledge. It so poorly. Yeah. yeah. I also they really toned down toned down the Instagram stuff. Like she didn't post to her Instagram nearly as much. It wasn't really a plot point in the same way, which I think think was good. On the age front. At first, I felt bad bringing this up, but I just want to say the show is confusing because Kate Walsh is 54 years old. It's very, it's very hard to get pregnant at 54. I don't know if it's impossible, but like, I, there's nothing wrong with being 54 years old. I love, I love actresses who age gracefully. I love Kate Walsh, but I was just distracted by that. I was like, I remember Kate, Kate Walsh as Addison Montgomery Shepard. She was on the show playing such a character last, like last month. And I just thought that was like really weird to make Kate Walsh's and like her pregnancy, like a big part of season two, because it just was like confusing and not saying that like women shouldn't be able to add it's acting, but like, I just thought that was weird just to the point of act of like, in terms of like age stuff, like this show is very confused about reality. <laughs> well, it does also 
Kate Walsh finally gets to be in this show, I guess, like gets with a lot of quotation marks around it. And she is asked to play the truly unlikable American corporate raider. Yeah. Just um, like villain villain, the person that nobody really wants anything to do with. Even Lily Collins's character, even the, the titular Emily in, <laughs> in Perry. And so it's kind of a bummer. It's like, well, here's this like working pregnant woman who represents everything that you're supposed to hate about this show. And like just puts all of all of these things in one in, like age, I guess, and and pregnancy being a thing that older people do. I don't know. Just like all in one like little box. So it's it's not the best characterization on the show, I would say. <laughs> but it also just did like make a lot of sense. She shows up halfway through. And it's like, oh, I we we own this company now, and they they do things differently than we do in America, so we have to like fire everyone and make a deck. And I did appreciate <laughs> that, like things like making a deck were included in the show with like a little bit of cynicism, like tongue totally. in cheek, right? Like when Emily is being asked to do the more corporate, annoying things that she did so brightly in the first season, she's kind of like, uh. I don't know if this is how I want to do it. They're they're at least, I guess, like sort of exploring cultural exchange. Sure. Yeah. Totally. Kind I, of. Kind of. I I, <laughs> I guess. The, like you can't email at a party. Is that yeah. even true though? Like I I, I it's just like the, they took it too far, right? The, it's illegal to work on the weekends in France was genuinely funny. Yes. Um, like and 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 that they were trying. So I give them credit for that. I think the thing that really set me off this season was just the sheer like brand advertising product placement like so obviously baked in yeah From, like Ramoa to I think Dior is that that Dior did the Vespa like name there's so many other products and it's just like you're in a marketing meeting which is yeah. treated as like uh, a, a high artistic achievement and she just keeps being like we got the collab <laughs> and listen i like i like shopping i like Me things too. i'm not above capitalism i participated in every day and i also am swayed by marketing that works i i don't pretend to be above these things but when it's so nakedly like celebrated it just makes me feel slimy it makes mm -hmm. me aware of everything that makes me feel bad about myself all of the time and sure. and it's i guess i don't really believe in guilty pleasures but i did feel this was a guilty pleasure i felt a lot of guilt because it's like things that i know are not maybe not good for me but not like my proudest interests mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just being unexamined. And I was like, Oh, this is gross. I thought it was just, I think my problem with this season was it was just a really poor will they or won't they. And then it just oh, yeah. ended so annoyingly. And it's like, that's not the, that's not what you're supposed to happen at the end of season two. And so of course the will they or won't they is em Emily and Gabrielle, her neighbor who right. was dating her, her like one of her two friends. If you lose 50% of your friends, that's tough. So I understand why perhaps she would want to be loyal to Kemi. But 
Kimmy is not her friend, though. This is a person that she's known for, you know, 20 minutes. I know, but when you move to a new country, it's like when you go to college. It's like you just hold on desperately to, like, the friends that you have so you have someone to go somewhere with, right? And then by the time you've lived in the same place for, like, three years, you've made actual friends, so you can give sure. up on Kimmy. Okay. But she's you're, she's not ready to do that yet. Still you're right. Year this is a compressed timeline. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah. But I just, like... I wanted, I guess there's no show or there's like less of a show if Emily's with Gabrielle. So they're not like ready to do that yet. But like Emily should be with Gabrielle. Like everyone would pick Gabrielle. Uh, he's right. so hot. <laughs> yes, obviously. His new haircut though is a real negative. Old haircut better. It was okay. I They do a thing where they introduce like a competing love interest, Alfie. Alfie, British. he was cute. Like he was very cute and like challenging to her. And also again, a little skeptical of all of her silliness, which I appreciated. They were baking that in. One thing I have to say, I, I kudos to the character Emily for being so effective at her job of getting people to like things on Instagram. Sure, yeah. I, also, but the numbers are really low. Let me just say that. Even for like Maison Laveau or Shea Laveau or whatever, <laughs> you know, Gabrielle being hot on Instagram, the numbers are low. The engagement, I'm not that impressed. <laughs> but everyone thinks it's a su- success and that's great. And, and, and she's obviously like very attractive and, and very appealing, you know, just like an American in Paris, sure, whatever that every single man in Paris, literally every single man that she encounters is just like, I will now ruin my life for her. <laughs> Strains credulity. And, and that's, it, I mean, it just does. And that's nothing about her character. That's nothing about Lily Collins. That's nothing about the men. It's just like, even our greatest romantic heroines have had some trouble. I've had some rejection. Yeah. She just waltzes in to every single relationship with any man between the ages of, I would say, 18 and alive. 60. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm sure like a French 65 year old man would be very interested in Emily if he encountered her under the rules of the show. So there's not a lot of tension there. And it just makes the well they won't think because Gabrielle is just like, I'll do whatever you want for you, whatever you want. There's no resistance or even um, anxiety on his part. And then Alfie's like, sure, whatever. <laughs> You're like very hot. It's it's just like, which candy is she going to have for breakfast today? Right. You know, not super high stakes. Sure, so- sure, sure. Also, I don't believe that Emily would have texted Alfie that many times. Like that also strains to credulity for me. Sure. We're like, I, you know... I think every everyone can relate to the the agony of like when will you text me back right. and like having to hold yourself back of like sure. but multiple screens like when you get a full blue screen that's devastating right you're yeah. just like this I, this is has to go that's usually the point for me where I delete the whole thread and I'm like I can't I can't ever face this again she just kept texting him and I was just like Emily wouldn't do that how have we not developed the untext button the edit button the take it uh, back. Instagram has it. Like, how in this world where you're inventing devices for every single thing I need to do in my life, have you not given that, like, human interest, like, I don't know. It's a weird Apple thing because WhatsApp and Instagram both have it. Like, Facebook has introduced it. I don't know about the Google services, but I I don't know, Amanda. I I wonder the same myself. I'm, I'm sure there's, like, a legal element to it, you know? But I, like, who is Apple to really be like keeping <laughs> enforcing business records or or whatever? The I don't know. Just just help help some help some women out. 
I think for for whatever reason, I have just turned on Emily. Like, I felt like in season one, I defended her and I was just like on board and I I found this fun. But I just found her like too annoying in season two for for I don't I don't know why. I think this is more about me than it is about the show. But I just like didn't find her enjoyable. I also I didn't enjoy her fashion. Like on Sex and the City, when Patricia Field was doing the fashion, it was like so over the top and ridiculous. But it wasn't like it didn't just feel like she was going for shock factor. I feel like the fashion on Emily in Paris, specifically for Emily, is like, how can we surprise you? Like, what crazy hat can she wear now? With Carrie, it felt a lot more um, natural. Yeah, it's very confusing. It doesn't have a lot of relationship to fashion, as I understand it, though I'm not really on TikTok. So, you know, maybe that's... Is that where fashion lives now on TikTok? I think everything lives on TikTok and then Mm -hmm. sort of less so on Instagram where Emily is. I mean, that's another thing. Like season three, she's just going to be washed up because she's not on TikTok. Uh, We'll find out. I have a couple more complaints. Okay. You saw this one coming. But why did this suddenly become a musical review show? (laughs) Like why... In every uh, Mindy's a great character, and I'm glad that that actor is getting more to do. And I don't know why it all has to be singing. Like, I don't know why we have to stop for a musical interlude in every 28 minute show. Juliet, I was under the couch, like hiding on the floor. I can't, I just, I they're letting Ashley Park shine. That's what she's a musical theater star. (sighs) I know, but like, and and I also, I did notice some of the COVID things they, they filmed outside a lot in Paris, which was yeah. like amazing. That was one yeah. of the best things there. You just are in Paris and she's a lot of on a lot of famous landmarks. And that's about, what about cool. her outdoor dinner party? That was lovely for her birthday. Yeah, totally delightful. But I just didn't need 15 percent of this season. I think, honestly, if you do the math, no, it's probably like 8 percent. Don't do math. I mean, it's too early <laughs> for math. Just to be musical theater singing, you know, that's like not where I thought this was going. That's not why I logged onto the show. Sure. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, it didn't bother me as much. I like Ashley Park. I think that also Ashley Park, this is her moment between girls five Eva and this, and like being a big Broadway person. I'm just like, all right, Ashley Park, do you, I do. I do like her quite a bit. Um, I couldn't really remember Mindy's backstory and didn't care enough to look it up. So I was just sort of like, what's her secret again? She's rich. I'm just like, what? And, and like, she embarrassed her family on, on idol. And I, I was just like, what is it again? And I, but I didn't really care enough. That's the thing is I don't care enough about a lot of these characters, even Sylvie and like her husband and like her stereotypical, like unconventional French marriage. Sure. I was just like, Okay, sure. I do, Sylvie's obviously the best character. Yeah. No, I mean, that seems great. And then she starts dating like a much younger photographer, Swedish photographer, something Danish, like that. something like that. He's Nordic. Okay, sure. And then, but I didn't know how to feel at the end when like everyone around Sylvie, Antoine and Antoine's wife and all the French people are like, if you try to take our business away we will expose like the varying levels of sexual harassment <laughs> and, you know, deal making that have been going on in this firm for like 20 yeah. years. They're like, but, this is just how the French do it. Sexual but favors. in a way where I'm like, I'm supposed to be on the side of the French people. And I, and like, I kind of am because the way they present it, which is just like, we're all having interesting lives versus <laughs> you're trying to do a PowerPoint presentation and make an org chart it was very funny when she was like, make an org chart. But, you know, that's like smoothing over some things. 
One of my main takes is that America is good. It's okay. not the best. Oh my God. <laughs> but this is a new take for me. Okay. I just think it's actually not that much better in many other places. Everywhere is flawed. And like, yes, the American work ethic is like fucked up and the obsession with capitalism is like not great. But also we get a lot done here in this country and I won't apologize for that. So I really honestly didn't wake up today expecting <laughs> for my takes on a show about a, a tiny woman who makes brand collabs uh, to turn into you being like America is good. <laughs> I love the city of New York. I'm happy to live here. Sure. I, I do as well. I I just felt irritated by the show. I was just sort of like, I don't like anyone. But I think that's me. I don't think it's the show. But I think... I'm not sure what I'm looking for from television right now. I feel like I've hit a bit of a of an impasse. I'm like, what do I want to be watching? And I don't I don't know. There's there's nothing for me right now. Do you want to... You want to segue into... Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about And Just Like That, which... I thought it was bad at the beginning. I was like, oh, this is hard to watch. I very much enjoyed the Bridget Moynihan Natasha episode. Thought that was sure. actually very good. And then the last two weeks have just been so fucking depressing. I can't, I like cannot deal with it. It's just a sh- everyone's unhappy. I just find like everyone's unhappiness and like the um the discomfort that the show has with everyone's age to be like so painful. And I it's like Instead of making Golden Girls, they've made this like really self-conscious, self-aware, fearful show about like the changing world. And they're trying to account for like everything that's changed in the social dynamics of the world in which these women probably live in the last 20 years. And it's not working for me. And like Miranda's absolute misery, I find really depressing. And I find Carrie's like anger that she's that she's like alone um, really sad and probably very real, but like, I don't necessarily think this show is like wrong, but watching it is so unfun and sex in the city used to be so fun. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's a, it's a COVID show that isn't about COVID Mm. like, and it, and it was made during the pandemic and they do make references to kind of, (laughs) they just finished season one of the pandemic in this show and they, and they don't know that season three is coming. Um, Miranda's like, I started drinking a lot during COVID, but who didn't? Right. <laughs> you know, and, and they like keep making references to like, now that we can all be back together. Ha ha ha. But so it, but it has that sense of, of fear and loss and like, what have we been doing that I think is familiar to a lot of us from 2020 and 2021. And I, I hope not this year. Gosh, I have, again, just fingers crossed for this year that, that things, some things get sorted out. So I know what you mean. It's not like a celebratory show. I was so uh, upset and embarrassed by the first two episodes. Like, so again, hiding behind the couch, worse than someone singing on a plaza in Paris level, embarrassed just by the cringe factor that it's gotten easier for me. And let me just say, I wake up Thursday morning and I'm like, yes, there's a new <laughs> Sex in the City episode for me to watch. Then I get very angry because somehow we're spoiling it online within an hour of it being posted on HBO Max, which again, I'm I not I, I'm not a 23-year-old watching Hawkeye, you know? Like I'm a I'm a grown-up. I got a job. I'm saving it as a treat for myself. Cut me some slack, internet. But I I do look forward to it. And I think as it's gone on, 
And they've gone through a lot of the like very jarring updates of characters. And also, you know, thankfully gotten rid of of Chris Noth from the show, which I guess we were all outraged of. And given all of the recent allegations, I think um, everyone is glad to not have him on the show anymore. Yeah. You know, Um, but they've they've sort of figured out at least where the characters are. And I thought episode five, which is the most recent episode that I've seen, at least felt. It had the friendship and the relationships expert. Like I recognized the characters again, sort of Mm -hmm. in a way that I just absolutely didn't during the first four episodes. I was like, you've just copy and pasted people into like 2022 situations. And, and, and especially like the Samantha longing in this episode, I thought was so effective. And again, like a real thing that would happen to these characters of friends being separated but that sets up a real problem because we know that Kim Cattrall is just not going to be on the show. It's not right. like, I mean, do you think their play is like, we're, we're writing this and hopefully she'll want to come back. Hopefully like sh- she'll watch this. You know, it's like a public, like apology. We love you. Please come back. Like play. I don't think so, but I, I do so really appreciate it that they haven't like killed her and that they're yeah. like leaving the door open. Like, I'm so grateful for that. I hate unnecessary character deaths. So I'm just like, I hate, 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 hate it. Ruin Grey's Anatomy. Um, not didn't ruin it, but really, it's like the death of McDreamy is something I'll never. <laughs> to be clear, Juliet has watched every single episode. <laughs> I don't. I'm st- still, I'm still will never, will never give up. Yeah, yeah. But I just find. Wait, but so hold on, hold on, just one second. So you like? Would you have wanted them to recast McDreamy? The character of Meredith is like unsolvable without him. Like the the whole. Grey's Anatomy is in a tough spot. I mean, Ellen Pompeo is like out here advocating for the show to end, (laughs) but like it's the most popular show on ABC, so it will not be ending. But she's like, please let me out of this fresh hell that I've been in for 18 years. But like, meanwhile, she's also taking the checks. Yeah, exactly. But now that explains a lot to me because she hasn't interacted with the rest of the cast in like two years. And I now know that she probably does all of her shooting in like two weeks or whatever. Um, Well, I just assume. I don't know. But do I wish they had cast recast McDreamy? No. I wish that okay. they had like sent him away, like Miranda or something okay. like that. Like Samantha. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, Samantha. Yeah. Sorry. I, I think my problem with Sex in the City is that it's so self-conscious, mm-hmm. but it isn't accepting of itself. Like it's trying to be something new and like current and like acknowledge the moment that we're in. And like I feel like it's trying to like do the fan service that like, you know, Marvel does so well. But it's just in in its attempts to like to be this really socially conscious and self-aware and like forward looking show. It has just lost the truth, which is like even though it's like a joke that like Carrie can't keep up with her with her um, quote unquote boss, Che, played by Sarah Ramirez, like they still are trying to have all the characters like learn in real time about like how to be um, allies and how to be more open-minded. And like, those are really noble ambitions, but the way that it's been written, I find to be so trite and also frankly depressing that it's so hollow. And like, I just find everything with Miranda to be so hollow and like, and just like, I think that her character is by far the worst written in this reboot. And then I find Carrie's sadness, like really fucking sad. So I guess that's realistic, but it's just like, it's horrible. It's not fun. It's not escapist. I think the Sarah Jessica Parker performance is actually quite good. And, and she is being given a little more to work with, with 
than the other people. And it is sad and it's supposed to be sad. So, you know, but Carrie was sad throughout a lot of those seasons. It was just that you had kind of other plot lines around them. And she would distract herself with other guys or she would distract herself with like going out and having a drink. And now she's having hip surgery. (laughs) Right. And, and and I do think that the show's take on aging is self-loathing and really depressing in a way that does not make me feel good about what's to come. And listen, aging, I'm, I'm already aging to an extent and it's very hard and I'm sure that other things come, but it's not exactly a celebratory look at finding, you know, new life or maybe it will be in the second half your point about Miranda and to a lesser extent Charlotte and the way that they're trying to um, make up for a lot of the show's earlier failures or omissions or limitations and also to like really broaden the world view is like an admirable goal but so fast forwarded that it just feels completely just it in Congress, it's like these people just got dropped in with different personalities and are trying to learn things at not even too quickly, but just hol- like in a hollow way, as you said, yeah. it's not like connected to any real sense of place or even sense of character. Yeah. Um, and it's it's I, I agree. It's it's not the best. It's just like it's just sad. Poor Steve. They never should have gotten back together. <laughs> but where is he? He hasn't been in like four episodes. She's, I don't know. He has like hearing aids. And now she's like, I hate him. And I'm so miserable in my life. It's like, wow, that's really sad. It was it was like one of the most depressing things I've seen on TV in a long time. And yeah. I like love Mare of Town, which is also a really depressing show. So right. there you go. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I find it unbearable. I don't think I'm going to watch the rest. Okay. I'm going to. So you can let me know what happened. I will. What what if it what if they figure things out and what if they like go through a really difficult time and then it's a new look on life, new lease on life? I should. That say. would be that would be fantastic. Will you watch them? Maybe. I was just thinking about like the best shows about adults for adults. And I always come back to The Good Wife. I think that's number one on my list. It's mm-hmm. frothy. It's sexy. It's smart. It's current. It's like. I just am like, could you guys make The Good Wife but Sex in the City? I'm like, can we get the kings involved? What are they up to? So, um, so Carrie and Miranda are solving crimes every week? Or I don't know. Like, Also, like, what do any of them do for work? Nobody seems to work on this show anymore. Well, I think it's implied well, Carrie that Carrie... Podcast. Well, she has the podcast, but also she has all of Big's money. Oh, right. And, so she doesn't have to. Yeah, so she doesn't have to. And Miranda, they say, quit her job because she was miserable. And Charlotte quit her job forever ago so that's kind of depressing yeah so no one's working like they're these are the show doesn't like its own characters and and listen i i was saying i have been rewatching a lot of the old sex in the city and it's interesting to watch the characters from a different age perspective and and a different time they're they're not always like heroes which is okay you know i think like the reception of the show and what they became kind of culturally is very different from what how they were portrayed on the show. Totally. And but this new version seems to have real contempt for them, which maybe they deserve, but to your point is also not especially rewarding to watch. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What do you think is going to be the answer to why Big gave Natasha a million dollars? I oh, like there's some 
hidden baby or something. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a hidden baby? I don't think there's a hidden baby. I don't know. Is it just like an apology? Is it just like, I, like I'm sorry I cheated on you? I, like, mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, what I fear... No, actually, what I would fear is a hidden baby. I really hope there's not a hidden baby. That just seems really soapy. But I sort of think the show already thinks it's explained that. Oh, it's just like it's over. It was like an engine and a way to have Natasha come back and for them to have what I agree with you. I thought those were good scenes. Hilarious that Natasha is the only person in the show who has like any sort of perspective. Um, But it's not like they're tying up loose ends very well on this show. You know, things aren't like totally plotted through. So I think probably it was just a vehicle to have that character come back to have that like moment in the coffee shop. I love, which I really did love. That was great. It was great. Natasha's good. Richard Moynihan, shout out to you. I like her. I don't, I, sure. I I hope she's well. (laughs) Seems like she has a nice life. I have no idea, but yeah, it seems like she co-parents with Tom Brady as well as one can. Oh, you meant like actual Bridget Moynihan. I thought you were talking about Natasha, the character, which I just like no. don't really have a lot of. I, I don't have a lot to say about Bridget Moynihan either, except I, d- I do wish her well. <laughs> yeah, that was just good. What do you think about the fashion in, in this new show? No Patricia Field because she's working on Emily in Paris, yeah. but it's like one of her assistants. A lot has been made of Carrie's outfit in episode three, the one with Natasha, um, where she's wearing like a kind of very pedestrian dress over a, like a denim shirt and like walks for a very long period of time. Right. Well, that's, I mean, she's carrying morning and then she, I, like comes, I thought that worked out well. Yeah. And then there is one moment when she comes out of the apartment with like that giant ballet skirt or similar. And you're like, Oh, it's sort of carry back. At least they have some sh- relationship to what the character used to wear and wardrobe as, character development, which was a major part of the original show. The rest just kind of bums me out. You know, yeah. I like they, it's not impossible to, to dress well after the age of 35, you just have to have like funds and this show has funds and these characters have funds. So I don't know it doesn't seem like they're trying very hard. I would say, I will say like the one thing I would expect is, um, more tailored clothing. And they, none of them are wearing anything tailored. It's like, it's just like completely, uh, it's just like everything is like flimsy fabrics. Right. All drapey fabrics. Yeah. I I mean, I do wonder whether some of that is COVID of you could only have so much time doing costume design. And the show is like put together pretty quickly as I understand it and written pretty quickly and filmed pretty quickly in the scheme of things. So yeah, I mean, they don't, it's not what it once was. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, at least, Amanda. I I don't know. What, I, what are you watching that you do enjoy right now? I told you I'm having a right. problem with TV. I don't right. know. What so am I, I enjoying? Great question. I'm, I'm stuck on episode five of Station Eleven. I kind of like too dark. Station Eleven is an extraordinary book. And if you yeah, feel strong enough to read that book right now, I that book like made me cry on the sidewalk well before the pandemic, just because I was so afraid of things. So I, I'm sorry to say that I have not started station 11, the show, and I won't <laughs> be doing so until I have some distance from the world at large. Cause it was so visceral, the experience, but other people say it's great. It, it's good. I don't love it. I think it's just too, too visceral. Real Housewives of Salt Lake. That's pretty mm-hmm. fun. Um, 
I don't know. There's so much TV, but like nothing that I would say I truly love at the moment. I've turned back to books. That's been nice. Okay. The last two weeks. So that's great. Yeah. We love to read here on this podcast. So that's great. <laughs> and do puzzles. Read and do puzzles. Okay. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Um, Let's talk about Tristan Thompson, who has a new child as confirmed by paternity tests. Listen, we don't talk about this a lot because we have reached our limit and also, frankly, have a fair amount of distaste for most of what happens in the Kardashian world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, That's correct. You know, it's a combination of overexposure, disinterest and distaste. Uh, this was so, <laughs> this is just so embarrassing for everyone involved and so public. So. I can't imagine Chris Jenner signed off on this. So um, would you like to read what Chris what what Tristan Thompson posted on his Instagram yesterday? I would love to. I'm I'm reading straight from his Instagram, which I have to be honest, is the first time that I've been on his Instagram. But <laughs> I like it, it this was such a thing that I found myself reading it aloud at the dinner table last night, being like, Can you believe this? Which I don't know. I don't always do that. Okay. Today, paternity test results reveal that I fathered a child with Marilee Nichols. I take full responsibility for my actions. Now that paternity has been established, I look forward to amicably raising our son. I sincerely apologize to everyone I've hurt or disappointed throughout this ordeal, both publicly and privately. That's slide one. Moving on to slide two. It's own slide. Chloe, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve the heartache and humiliation I have caused you. You don't deserve the way I've treated you over the years. My actions certainly have not lined up with the way I view you. I have the utmost respect and love for you, regardless of what you may think. Again, I am so incredibly sorry. Which I just, how do I have this much access to this? (laughs) Honestly, even if it is like a huge performance. And this reads to me like someone 
who is not having his calls, text messages, yes. Yes. anything returned at all in any way, who sees his access to his child that he has with Chloe Thompson drying up, who sees his access to the money machine that is the Kardashians drying up, who just sees every, who has no other His recourse. career is, is not at the same level it used to be in the NBA. Right. It's not good. You have to assume that he's been cut off by the Kardashians because Kris Jenner would never condone this. Absolutely never. This is not something that she would allow to happen. It's so embarrassing for Khloe Kardashian. It's so embarrassing for Tristan Thompson. It's so embarrassing for all of Tristan Thompson's kids, of which I think he now has three. And they have to like live with his father having put this out there and like it being out there for forever. I hope they don't find out about it like until at least they're like 30. And it's just so horrible. And like, what is he doing? Like, just, I don't know, be, be an adult, dude. I don't, I like hate Tristan Thompson. I don't care about these people at all. I don't care about any of them at all, but it's so galling and so uh, embarrassing. And you're right. You immediately think of the children. You immediately think of of this baby who's like, you know, been at it as only having his dad in his life because the, the paternity test results have been established, which like, th- that's how the world works sometimes, I guess. But it's just to make it all so public. Oh, God. Horrible. Just out of desperation. And for what? I don't know. And also, like, for his new child, his newborn, he has to know that his father, like, refused to acknowledge him right. and then, like, very publicly acknowledge that he refused to acknowledge him. Like, this is just so, all so selfish. Like, it's bad for everyone. And the only person that could possibly be serving in this moment is Tristan Thompson. And I, like, really despise him. I feel bad for Khloe Kardashian. I do, too. She doesn't deserve it. No, I feel really badly for her. I mean, it's it's humiliating. And also, I you know, I do know that she was trying to have a second child with Tristan. She wanted a sibling for her daughter. They've been, She's been going through all of the surrogacy stuff, which I know is very difficult. God, I, it's, it's tough. And to just to not be able to trust someone who she presumably loves. Otherwise, I don't know why she'd give him so many chances. Or, you know, someone she wants to build a family with for her daughter. Like... And to be embarrassed like this is just so right. awful. I really, I just can't even imagine. I hope she's doing okay. I can't imagine yeah. it's going well in their household today. No. And also just, I, if we're correct and she did cut him off and is trying to just, you know, move on or establish boundaries or whatever, just for then this total idiot to still be making it public and extending the humiliation. Oh, it's awful. I, I, just, I, I can't believe it happened. What on earth? I don't know. I guess he just, this is the only way to get anyone's attention these days. Post on Instagram. Oh my God. Oh my God it's really bad. Tull. By the way, did you see that Kanye West and Julia Fox are dating? I did. I, I, I It's a real wish them well situation. I, totally. I really no. do. And, no and it also seems to me, I have like a little more interest than I do with like Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. But why not? have people with mutual interests together doing their thing in a non-serious way for a while. It seems fine. I mean, if yeah. it gets messy, then it won't be, won't be fine, but you know, good for them. Why won't. not? I think they both seem like they'll just tap out at some point and they'll move on. Probably. Last an ode to St. Bart's, the home of the celebrity new year. Um, Jeff Bezos and his alive girl, Lauren Sanchez were there. They were on a yacht I'm a little confused. I think there was a few yachts involved, but one mm-hmm. of them involved um, Jeff Bezos dressed like Pitbull, 
wearing like a disco outfit that I guess where the, they were celebrating the new year with Tony Gonzalez, Lauren Sanchez's ex-husband, um, sure. which I found to be amazing. And then Leonardo DiCaprio was also in the mix mm-hmm. uh, and Drake. And yet somehow with all these big names, I'm just like so distracted by whatever is going on with Jeff Bezos. Like I, I this man seems so happy. So I guess I'm happy for him, but like, uh, he's just a very confusing celebrity. I mean, I guess when you're just as ridiculously rich and successful and headed to space as Jeff Bezos, you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to dress however I want and like just change everything in my life. <laughs> it is the world's most embarrassing Rumspringa, probably. You know, he's yeah. taken the crown in 2022 from from Aaron Rodgers. And it's just, I guess you become the world's richest man and you divorce your wife you get a lot of tight fitting shirts and a trainer and you start posting like party photos to your Instagram with captions. Like we had a lot of fun, but the new year is also a great time to take stock and focus on personal growth. Like, okay. Jeff Bezos, like, thanks for the note. (laughs) You know, Amazon has like entirely upended like the economy and, and work as we know it. But like, I'm so glad that you guys he's taking stock. Are, are taking stock and wearing weird hats at New Year. It's so strange. So Can strange. you imagine what it's like to be anyone else who works at Amazon right now? Or what about one of his kids? Yeah. Horrible. So embarrassing. I just, there's yeah. so many embarrassing parents out there. It's just not how I would do it. Yeah. I agreed. Big time agree. Just, <laughs> but, but good for them, I guess. Oh, Seriously. On that note, I hope Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez are having a great New Year's. I mean, you know, here we are. Day four feels a lot like, um, you know, the previous days, but whatever. Hope everyone's doing great out there. (laughs) I yeah, I I hope so. Happy New Year. Big wish them well energy on this episode of Jam Session to kick off the new year. You know, sometimes it's all we got. It's true. That's true. Thank you so much to Erica Cervantes for producing this episode. And we'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.